It's time to grab the bull by the horns. Welcome. Well, that was exciting. That was an exciting jump in. Did you hear that? I thought you were busy petting my dog, but we're into this now. Oh, I'm petting your dog. Doesn't mean I'm not into it. Welcome to the show. It's Beer and Bullshit, uh, the podcast where we talk about beer and we bullshit a little bit. I'm your host, Ben Johnson, with me as a, almost always. Mm, I like that. It's an upgrade. Yeah, part-time co-host. My part-time co-host and uh, occasional friend. <laughs> That's accurate. Chris Pellerin. How are you, Chris? Doing well, Ben. Yeah, I'm a little, as I mentioned before the pod, a little gas. It's been a busy few days a little gassed i thought you were saying a little gassy yes you're a little gas <laughs> i was actually gassy also that's great he spent the day outdoors in uh very poor air quality i must say that's why we're in my basement tonight it rained the whole day though so my socks were wet I meant it's into... oh that's my dog i don't know if that but mike picked that up but my dog's trying to talk to us he's fired up it's the witching hour for dogs um yeah, no, been busy. I had my my brother and my niece came back from China on Friday. First oh, time yeah. I've seen him in four years and her in five. Um, how's Matt? He's doing well. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, Is he still a wild man? I mean, anyone who knows you and your brother, I think Matt maybe has a bit of a reputation as a man. <laughs> he's only been back for a few days. I did lend him my car for uh, for the six weeks he's he's back and. Six weeks? You lend him as your car for six weeks? Yeah, and then he uh and then he quickly bragged to my dad about never having been in an accident or getting a ticket and then on his drive to my place his first fifteen minutes in the car, he somehow ripped the whole bumper off. Stop, really? Yeah, it's, <laughs> he fixed it today though. Very responsible. That's classic. Good times. All right. Well, welcome back, Matt. I'm a big fan of the show. I don't know if uh, you can stream this in China, but uh, if he has been listening. No, that's a good question. I don't know if we have many Chinese <laughs> listeners, but uh, yeah, my son graduated from elementary school last night. That was exciting. That is exciting. That's a, And you spent the day at the zoo. Spent the day at the zoo at my daughter's field trip, which was awesome. Yeah? Well, it was pretty good, actually. Is it zoo awesome? I feel like zoos are right at the middle of, ah, oh, these animals are amazing, and oh, fuck, they're so depressed for being stuck in a cage. Well, I meant to ask a zoo-inspired uh, would you rather that I, I seem to have forgotten about, which was... You're giving away the fact that we record this intro after the show. No, I meant for next week. Oh, got it. Okay. Um, I'll ask you, though. Okay. Would you rather be a zoo animal there for the viewing of humans um you know in captivity for the rest of your life i understand what that means or would you rather be a human in captivity for the rest of your life and have animals come and pay to see you in captivity and you live their shitty zoo life it's basically a jail but monkeys come by yeah, it's basically a jail except you know various animals come they check both out. sound pretty shitty do i have a mate in my pen in one scenario or the other yes but you have competition for that mate and that is a little bigger than you are it sounds like prison again, but yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess I'd rather be a human. <laughs> no, would you be more depressed as a human in a cage? Maybe. You have more critical thinking. Yeah. What's the, I'd rather be the dumbest animal on earth in captivity. But I'd be pretty happy. Getting fed, probably getting laid. You'd be okay. I think the human would be in captivity would be worse than jail. That's jail a... You can read, you can do other things, and mm. you're just a zoo animal yeah. now. 
Oh, you don't even get like a, a book. No, you're drinking your own piss. Why did you do that? I wouldn't do that. No, they like, don't keep these uh, pens all that clean. I wouldn't drink it. Anyway, great question. That's We're teeing their listener up for a really high quality show, but we do have a high quality show. Don't you agree? Oh, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> we haven't recorded it yet. Uh, I haven't, uh, yes, I haven't shattered that glass. It's a big secret. Uh, we are so much closer to being on... Not on the radio, but close to the radio. I don't even know what we call it. Radio adjacent. I was going to say radio adjacent. Yeah, we're radio adjacent. We have recorded um, an advertisement for the radio, which you'll start hearing. If you live in London, Ontario, you will start hearing my promotional material on 98.1 FM, London's Classic Rock, starting, uh, I guess, today, if you're listening to this on a Thursday. And... Um, Chris and I are going to be in studio doing the live morning show with Blair and Rabino on what morning do we pick? Thursday. Thursday. Also Thursday. So a new episode will drop and we'll be on terrestrial radio. Big fucking day for the show. We're going to start. We're going to be so famous, honestly. It's kind of scary. I mean, local radio is the new local television. That's what people say. That is what people say. And anyway, if you're not here to hear to to root on our fame and fortune, you could still buy a T-shirt. That helps us too. That's true. We got we got swag. We have we have two orders. Two people have actually spent, let's say, a pretty considerable amount of money on swag. It so, make, you're making it sound like it's us. I, we don't make any money. I think I make two dollars. No, we bought. Oh no, swag. we didn't. We didn't. I put in a sample order because I haven't actually seen the polos. But we got T-shirts. So you were one of the people. Nope, I'm not counting myself. Uh-huh. T-shirts, polos, hat, stickers, and somebody people have spent like seventy to eighty dollars on stuff. So amazing, thank you. And honestly, uh, here's the trick: I don't pay anything until you buy one. Or sorry, nothing gets created until you buy one. So we could potentially design unlimited amounts of things and put them on the store if people want them. So if you have ideas for beer and bullshit swag. I know we have a need for 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 Pellhead merchandise. We haven't designed that yet, but we will. Uh, feel free to hit us up at holler at beerandbullshit.ca. This has been all self-promotion. Let's I say this is uh I know this is this uh, is where the podcast is going. Just nothing but shit. I'm just trying to sell shit. It'll be like crystals soon. No, we have an amazing show. We have a, an amazing uh a brewery owner who's very dedicated to the craft of of craft beer matt tweedy is on the show the of of a tooth and nail in ottawa and i you know cat's out of the bag we've already recorded the interview but he uh the guy gives a fuck about beer yeah no i loved it and i haven't been to ottawa in a little while but last time i was there i i was in tooth and nail and let's say i spent more than beer and bullshit swag buyers okay fair enough i think ottawa is uh just far enough away that we're kind of like barely aware of what's going there like i've had i've had some tooth and nail beers i've had some uh, beyond the pale beers i'm like um shit dominion city thank you very much dominion city i have a dominion city hat which i quite love but i'm not uh quite in that scene enough to know what's going on so you know tweety will fill us in a little bit and talk to what's up talk to us about what's up with his beer and uh then we'll do a little pulse corner Want to just get into this thing? Yeah, let's go. Okay, here's Matt. Thanks, everyone. This is the, uh, I think this is the first time we've 
spoken and seen each other we've emailed a few times but this is it yeah yeah you and i had seen each other uh once at the start of the pandemic we were on a like six or seven people on my computer cast was there and oh, that's I think, right uh, jennifer from um beer town and uh i can't remember who else but that was our first ever in person, not in person meetings. So. That seems like a long time ago when Cass ago, yeah. When Cass was still doing stuff. Yeah. I think he's still doing stuff. Part this of the is, three years I'd like to erase. This is Chris, by the way. <laughs> How's it going, Chris? Yeah. Well. And then we yeah. corresponded a bunch because when I got draft beer in my house, I knew that Vim and Vigor had to be the first thing I ever tapped. So that's oh, that's right. And you had that keg that went like it was a long and storied journey. You Once guys, it left my place, I was like, best of luck, Keg. And it made it to Matron. <laughs> and then it went from Matron to Godspeed. And then food writer Suresh Das took it from Godspeed to Indy. And then the Indy oh, folks Jesus. took it to Pub Milosh. And I picked he had up. the easiest leg, I think. Yeah. He's just a yeah. streetcar ride, I think. It was just to <laughs> be like it was probably on a subway or a streetcar. Or yeah. Something. No, it improved the beer. It was like the journey IPAs used to take to India. Everything yeah. made it tastier. <laughs> yeah best after two weeks so i i was doing a little bit of uh googling as one does before a podcast and i actually was pretty surprised to learn that you guys launched in 2015 that seems like like way longer maybe you weren't on my radar because you're very local but that's crazy you're eight years old now yeah it seems weird i like i said i don't really count the last three years seem like a little bit of a blur but uh it does feel weird for sure um you know, I, it's really interesting because I think we, we're, we're going through all the, the same, like we, like at this point, we kind of feel like a startup business all over again, coming out of this pandemic and just kind of all the, 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 you know, boomerangs that's thrown at us and, and uh, yeah, it, it's, it's definitely pretty strange, but um, whatever, we'll take it eight years going strong. Yeah. And you, so let, how are you? starting over i mean what i've i i am very aware of you on in instagram reels for the first time ever so that's new <laughs> is that part of the new vibe um you know i is it part of the new vibe i'm not sure i've I, you know i've had people trying to encourage me to do that kind of stuff for a long time um you know i, I don't think it's a shock to anybody social media is not really my favorite place to hang out um i'm a very uh hands-on and uh analog kind of person but at the same time you know like I, I i hate talking about the pandemic so much but i think it was a real shifting point in the way that people uh behave and and their their thought processes and and their desires and everything and i think that one of the things that we've kind of lost maybe maybe we we're losing it a little bit before the pandemic but uh We've kind of lost that educational aspect that I'm sure you and I and and people of our generation were drawn to, you know, craft beer. Uh, I hate I'd love to lose the term craft at this point, but like drawn to small batch brewing because the brewers were were teaching us about things, different beer styles, how things were made, whatever. We kind of kind of just kind of lost that, or it seemed to kind of disappear. So I saw an opportunity there to maybe start talking about things again with people and and instagram was the medium within which i could do it so yeah it's great they're like public service announcements and 
I always yeah, come up here and Ben's talking to other knowledgeable people and I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And I don't know anything that they're talking about. So it's helpful nice. for, uh, you know, for the people that really have skipped, dropped out of beer school. You had a beer boot camp on the toilet today while I'm looking <laughs> at the phone. <laughs> well, no comment on the location. That may or definitely be true. No, right. so I, I agree with you. I think, uh, I think there was a, maybe we went too far with the seriousness about beer, but there was definitely a point where it was like, I remember a lot more conversation about the ingredients and we had things like people trying to make all Ontario beer and people gave a shit about that kind of thing. We had conversations about things like For sure. does terroir exist in beer? And then maybe we went too far, like nasal, navel gazy, like a bit like beer nerdy. And then I think we overcorrected. Like, let's make beer fun. And that took us to like, fucking slime beer and stuff and we went way too far in the fun zone so i think now we've got to find that middle ground where like beer can be fun but you should give a shit about it too yeah i think so you know like and it's tough it's tough to disparage too many of those things although i love to on a daily basis but at the same time it's it's like there's an audience for all of that stuff too and i think that you know, I, I agree with you. I think maybe we did go a little bit too far. I think we, I think we, I think we, as um, the proverbial industry, we might have gotten a little bit arrogant, right? If you think about it right now, like the number one fastest rising style of craft beer in the United States right now is American premium lager being brewed by craft breweries. Like that's insane. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like the actual beer that Greg Cook from Stone shit on for years and years and years okay. is now the fastest rising style of beer in the US. It's crazy. Yeah. But I think it does speak to a lot of, you know, we 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 push the limits to every extreme possible alcohol hops sourness barrel aging and everything and like people are actually just rediscovering the fact that they just they like to drink beer they like to get drunk off a lot of beer maybe not three beers right and um you know enjoy that balanced refreshing uh beverage that you know has taken us through centuries you know i don't know if the last 25 30 years are going to be the weird spot i actually think that you know 1940 to 1975 1980 was the weird spot but there's got to be a correction somewhere in there for sure yeah i mean that i would argue that period you just said is when all the consolidation happened and we took what we all now love about beer and just made it the cheapest version of that right the shittiest version yeah literally literally yeah yeah Let's buy up all these companies. What's the most profitable? What's the easiest to make? Okay, lager. Let's boil it down to the bare necessities. Yeah. yeah, it is. How do we find cheaper ingredients? How can we mass produce this and throw money at advertising and dominate the world, right? Yeah, it's a marketing vehicle. But I think now, I I don't know. I mean, those two beers, that that style of macro industrial lager and what we're all now discovering as if, I mean, I'm drinking a Pilsner right now. We're all... They're they're sort of the same, but not the same, right? They're not the same. They're right. not the same. But uh, you know, if you're, yeah, there's there's uh, there's a lot behind that. They're not the same as those. But you know, we now suffer from this. Well, I shouldn't say suffer yet, but we might start to suffer from this thing where 
we've got breweries like myself who are who are doing our damnedest to produce you know a world-class product for example and it has to cost x dollars because we've got so many costs against us and then i go to the lcbo and i drank four bit burgers on the weekend going wow this is like two dollars and 35 cents and this is the best beer i've had in a year right right so it's like we all have to start stepping up it doesn't matter if we're making we're all making pilsners or we're all making some kind of a you know american lager or whatever it is you can make payloads ipas but it's going to force us hopefully to really realize that hey there are other options that are world-class beers that are like 70 percent of the cost of what ours inevitably have to be um you know we've got a we're up against a little bit of a hurdle there so what is that hurdle because i've never heard anyone like is it just availability of ingredients they've been around longer is it economies of scale like well it's economies of scale first and foremost right um most of the breweries that we're drinking from these days are small you know if you I don't really know I don't really know how much all these breweries are are producing you know but if you take a Bellwoods for example who I would imagine is probably producing somewhere between seven and ten times the amount I produce Mm -hmm. you know there's some economies that they can get but them compared to steam whistle or, or a brewery of that size is still pale in comparison. Plus, you've got all these taxes that just start compounding the bigger you get, the bigger you get, you know, the whole excise tax thing that was going on in the spring. You know, I fought against it with my local MP, fully knowing it's not really going to make a big difference to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, the bigger you get, the harder that thing is. You know, we're dealing with shipping costs that are absolutely absurd. Mm-hmm. You know, our, um, our malt costs, hops are actually for the first time ever, kind of the most stable thing going on right now. Crazy. It's crazy. totally crazy. And so the cost of that, the costs of labor, the costs of production, everything's just skyrocketed. And so, you know, we have to charge what we have to charge to make a business, but it's very different than it was like five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, still still struggling. Supply chain issues aren't a big deal, but the costs of the supplies are are massive. Yeah, and the tax environment in Ontario has never been favorable to breweries. Well, I think in Canada in general, I mean, the regulatory hurdles and the taxing is is brutal. I I talked to somebody who, uh, you know, about a cannabis company that went under last week. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, they're just dropping like flies now. Sure. And I said, well, there's just too many of them. And the, the guy I was t- chatting with had one. Uh, and he said, it has nothing to do with that. It's it's the regulatory environment. Canada makes it so hard to do anything economically versus our international competitors. So, I mean, that's why you don't see a ton of Canadian beer on the global stage. It's just really difficult to, to take. Well, and if you look at the interprovincial trade, like... You know, for me, like we live, our brewery is a kilometer, maybe 1.5 kilometers to be fair from the Quebec border. And if I want to sell beer in Quebec, I have to get an importing agent. Like that's twisted. It's like, wild. We're, we got provincial wild. protections. There's, there's only know? 35, 40 million people in the country. Please don't. This is it. There's, there's a lot, there's a lot, you know, it, it's easy to say there's a lot riding against us. There's there's a lot in our corner as well, right? Like mm-hmm. they got to open a brewery in a neighborhood and you know make beer and um, 
have people come and show up, you know, there's, there's lots of pluses, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's challenging for sure. For sure. So you're in, speaking of the neighborhood, you're in a hundred year old building. Is that true? Like a century old building? That's true. Yeah. It would probably honestly just, so some of the records were lost in a flood, but based on, based on the door we have in the back and the repairs we had to have done on it and et cetera, et cetera, where building's probably about 102, 103 years old right now. Wow. That's very cool. So in London, I know that we are faced, uh, well, I guess it's true of Toronto, probably true of Ottawa, but when things reach heritage status, having to make changes to a building is the biggest nightmare because everything needs to be preserved. Because Of it's, course. So did you come up against that? I mean, I already know like modifying a building to put a brewery in is insane, let alone having to think about heritage considerations. Like I know people that have heritage homes are like, oh, you can't, you have to do this kind of window to preserve the integrity of the blah, blah, blah. So did you run up against that a lot? Well, that's why the records well, we were lost in the flood. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah exactly. You know, the building's 20 years old. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> uh, no, we didn't really. Like, I, I guess our landlord at the time hadn't actually applied for heritage status. So mm. we ran into zoning issues and things that we had to kind of have modified. Like we, the building before we moved in was a printing press and, uh, us moving into it, the, the zoning had changed for the building, but the industrial zoning for the, the building was um, grandfathered in. And so when we took the lease over, we were supposed to um, conform to traditional Main Street, which is just basically like, you know, retail. And we ended up going to the city and fighting to keep the back end of it light industrial because we were going in as a brewery and we, you know, explained our whole story and fought for all that stuff and whatnot. So we didn't have to deal with the heritage part of it. We did have an uphill battle, you know, with, with the zoning, but outside of that, it was fine. Yeah. Well, that's refreshing because yeah. in London is crazy. The municipal government here is not very helpful to small businesses generally. I don't know what is helpful to small businesses right now, but, uh, you know, when you find out who that is, let us know. <laughs> well, I, I mean, somewhat related, I saw that Bar Volo had some issues. I mean, obviously, you know, Volo, but they had some issues with their patio because the Toronto folks had said you can't have a patio. Well, they built mid-pandemic, but apparently it made it to some committee and they immediately said, this is ridiculous. And they actually said, it's okay. So yeah, there are, some, so there are occasionally some, some some shining lights for sure for sure um okay i want to talk about your reels and let's talk about the seriousness of that beer is because the first couple ones it felt i think you actually said what the fuck am i doing <laughs> so like obviously this, ah. <laughs> yeah, this is this is born of a of a need to like i think like chris said it's it's pretty helpful i, I don't think anyone else is doing it what's what's the reaction been like i mean i envision like i think you did you did hops did you like are you doing the main ingredients of beer i'm trying to remember i watched them yesterday or today but well i guess we we started out by doing just a a, a generic one trying to explain what the goal was of what the series was going to be and then we did uh malt hops and yeast um you know we talked about how important the freshness is we talked about uh draft beer um 
Yeah, I might have missed one or two in there. Yeah, yeah, got... draft. That was one of the first one. Well, that one rung true, especially as someone who's converted fully to home draft. It's so much better. Oh, my God. It's, that... It is. It's just so much better. But, you know, you've got all these people who have spent time in shitty bars or, or drinking, you know, um, whatever they're drinking. And, and they, they're always like, I can't drink draft beer. And I have friends, I'll go out with them and they're like, I can't have draft. And I'm like, you're out of your mind. Like that's the pinnacle of what you should experience. Yeah. But because of whatever experience they had, right? Like it's a no go from now on. So I'd like people to kind of revisit that, give it another try, you know, scrutinize where they're drinking. First of all, totally scrutinize how much they're drinking. Well, man, I had like 22 pints last night and it really gave me a headache. No kidding. (laughs) You know, there's, there's a couple. It wasn't the draft lines. That wasn't the draft line. Well, no, we, I mean, Chris and I, we both went away to university or sorry. No, Chris went away to university and then I did. (laughs) I stayed here, but we spent a lot of time prior to that drinking in bars in london and i think that was a pretty common refrain that draft fucks me up draft gives me a headache but we were drinking in shitty you know student bars like drinking four dollar pitchers of blue like right or we were drinking at the steeps which is the one of the oldest bars in the oldest bar in london if not canada and they are notoriously filthy draft lines if anyone's listening from the seeps i apologize maybe it's changed <laughs> but like i remember people like oh we weren't they were like they weren't fucking bleached to the draft line like it was awful and you're just like it's eight dollar pitchers who cares like <laughs> never bothered me i was going draft no matter what even at peel pub after they had their draft peel recycling pub. schedule or we had schedule a peel pub in ottawa yeah i drank at peel pub do you remember when they got in trouble for uh, taking all the beers that people left on the table and then running them back through and selling them again? So Peel Pub got in trouble for that. But before that, I used to go over to what's now Gatineau, but Hull, over on the other side in Quebec, and the drinking age was 18, and we'd go over with our brother's fake ID or whatever, when we were 16 or 17. And there was a bar there that used to serve five-cent glasses of beer, and they got fully shut down for recycling <laughs> beer as well. Like, uh-huh. there was some I dirty... mean, for five cents, what do you expect, I guess? Well, just give real know. ones for the first six, and then might be into that. that. Yeah. Might be into that. Yeah. yeah. So anyways, yeah, to answer your question, I mean, the reels just spawned from this idea that, you know, there's a way to start connecting people back to, you know, local beer and 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 try to give them a little bit of, you know, like I say to even our, our bartenders, it's like if somebody leaves with one tidbit more amount of knowledge on the way out of the bar than they came in with, they're going to be pretty happy to come back again. And I just, I see that as like an industry-wide thing. If we can just give people just a little bit of education, a little bit of knowledge, because when I first got into beer, which is, you know, well, I mean, I've been into beer for a long time, but when I took it seriously, I started working at Beer Bistro in Toronto. It was probably about 2006, 2007. Okay, and I, I fell in love there. with Brooklyn Brewery and Dogfish Head and all these brews because these guys were just, and, and girls at New Belgium, they were just teaching us like constantly. It was just this constant education and, and the ability to learn about where your flavors were coming from. It just hit so hard. And, and, I, and I just noticed, I took a look around going, this doesn't seem to be happening as much anymore. So mm-hmm. that's basically what fueled it. Yeah, I totally am in the same boat. I actually like came to 
beer through writing first because I'm like I like beer I like writing someone was looking for a beer writer and I wasn't I wasn't a beer aficionado by any means but like when I started talking to people you talk like I talked to like Ian McCoustra I talked to Lackey I talked to Brock Shepard back in the Kensington Brewing early days and you're like these guys are fucking serious and they actually passionate yes and you're like why would you drink something different when you know that there's people like this behind the product so one of my questions for you is going to be like do consumers actually give a shit like you know what i mean like but i get it like i totally like is that the small segment of like people who like i want to know where my cheese is from like you know i i'm always trying to find like the balance of like i i think that's cool i think that's important we all think it's important but then it's like where's the balance of like before you go too far and you're like beer splaining to someone who's like i'm just trying to have a pint dude like yeah, I mean, that's, that's, there's a tough line there to draw. I think to answer your question directly is that I'm like, some people give a shit and they're probably <laughs> worth talking to because they're probably <laughs> going to be the ones to spend an extra, you know, a couple of bucks on your six pack and, and really engage with you and follow you and be into what it is that you're doing and what it is that you're passionate about. Is everybody yeah. that way? No, but I think that there's a way to, to draw people to it. I think people are genuinely, like genuinely drawn to anybody who's really into what they're doing, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I, that has nothing to do with beer. I mean, think about the music artists you're into, right? Think about anybody that you really appreciate, follow, um, you know, pay attention to, the reason that you pay attention to them because they are super into what they're doing, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so if we as brewers can, can, can do that, then like, I think, I think the one thing we suffer from is I think we've lost some people along the way. You know, uh, I can start talking about untapped and Instagram and all these different things that let's do that very let's do very <laughs> influential on the craft beer space right and untapped was this really weird thing and i mean i say was i i know it's still going on but like in our bar like we we don't see it happening anymore people used to come in in droves and order all of these tasters and and get on their phones and then they'd be gone like People are coming in and drinking pints now. It's, it's a very different landscape than it was like five years ago. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, it drew people in. People got fascinated with, like you were talking about, the wacky styles and the wacky flavors and all this stuff. But as people kind of come back around and are just looking for great tasting beer that they can enjoy and be social with, we're starting to lose some of the untapped style people. But at the same time, they're not necessarily worth losing, right? They're, they're probably worth educating. They're probably worth grabbing and being like, hey, we actually have something really good here to offer. It might be a three out of five on the, uh, you know, Pilsner side of things when your Imperial Stout's a five out of five, but it doesn't mean you're going to like it any less. Right. And you might as well come in and, and, you know, join us along for the ride. And why don't I explain to you why this tastes the way it does? Yeah. You know, I think that I just think there's a that coming out of the pandemic, honestly, I think we've got the biggest opportunity ever right now to win some people back and even bring some people over who have never really been craft friendly, so to speak. And, I was going to ask you, talking about the growth of uh, the American lager, 
<laughs> you think that is not the growth, I guess. Well, sort of. No, 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 no. Is that is that discerning more discerning beer drinkers that are are learning what they like more and kind of going back to a macro style when from when they first started beer or is that kind of winning new people as an entry point into craft beer what do you think i don't know it's an awesome question actually it's one of the best oh, questions i've been asked in a long time um i don't know the answer to that you know is it is it all of us total geeks that have exploded our taste buds in every direction and are kind of coming back to just like oh right this is why this style of beer won the world over or is it people who drink Budweiser on the regular that are like whoa this is like a Budweiser but the flavors are a little brighter a little more amplified um you know uh, it's a little more crisp a little more refreshing I have no idea both of those people are Ben. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like it is both. I feel like there's a, there's a people, there's a generation that's been like, I grew up on this beer, but I actually care about where my shit comes from now. This right. tastes familiar to me. And then there's also people that I think have like, this is so snobby, but I feel like you get to a point in your craft beer appreciation where you go back to the balance and you're like, Oh fuck. There's nothing hiding in my, you know, Anderson Pilsner. I can appreciate the craft that went into making this amazingly balanced beer. And bonus, I can crush six of them and, I, and it's going to be okay tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, I think that that is, if, if, I, if I had to make a prediction, that would be like the majority of it. Mm -hmm. But I do think that, you know, like in my life anyways, I witnessed people being like, oh, like, I drink Bud Light all the time, but this tastes awesome because it's not like the one thing that, and I got to be careful saying this, but it's almost like India Pale Ale is, is starting to ruin a little bit of our industry in some ways because it's, it's actually very polarizing uh, mm -hmm. in terms of its flavors. You know, I love India Pale Ale. Um, I'm actually starting to appreciate it all over again. Um, but it's, it's a big beer. Right. And so there was a while there where it's like, well, you don't like this IPA, like you obviously don't like craft beer or like whatever right. the case is. Right. It was a little bit crazy. And if you look at the hazy styles, you know, they're almost creating the macro lager of the 70s all over again, because let's be honest. There's a degree of quality that you might be able to discern between brewery and brewery, but they all taste the same. I mean, you know, they all have the same mouthfeel, they all have the same tropical fruit notes, and you can sub hop A, B, C, or D into your new version of it every month and sell it like crazy, but yeah. it essentially is the same flavor going across the board. And so when you take those IPAs, and, and, and if you don't like that style, you're instantly like, well, that's craft beer. So I guess I'm not part of the craft beer crowd. I don't really like it as much. I'm going to go back to, you know, what I used to drink. Exactly. And so the fact that some of these, you know, I'll just call it American classic lager or, or whatever you want to call these, these different, more drinkable beer styles coming up. It's actually, we have such an opportunity to connect with so many more people that just really weren't part of the IPA craze in the first place. Yeah, I think you're bang on. There's a lot of people that treat ipa as craft as that's one right of the same. 
it's clean without a doubt. not facial tissue it's uh, yeah it's kind of a punchline for like hipsters that drink ipa that are snobs it's like the oh you're an ipa guy it's like Whoa. it's got to be the right kind of ipa though <laughs> yeah yeah i'm and i think the hazy monoculture is a whole different story that we've taken it to like it's the new like i don't know bro beer like it's like i, I don't know i don't know it's not like it's like a gateway beer, but then it's like, I don't know, it's like the pursuit of all things hazy. I want the next hype hazy beer. I don't, I, I don't get it. I, I yeah, know. I mean, that's that's where, you know, you start to get into the influence of most likely Instagram for the most part. Which I also but, don't get because I think a hazy beer looks like shit. I've seen beer that looks fucking gray. I'm like, why? Like, Well, I those are the beer. really bad. Yeah. you see a nice whirlpool of what could be like earwax in there that's... i just look at that uh, look I mean, at that look at that beard i can see right through it that's so nice and beautiful i don't know there's an attractive nature to the fact that instagram really gave people the opportunity to uh put together a photo booth and now you've got this glass in a beautiful glass looking a little bit like orange juice with fresh pineapples laid out behind it, maybe some kiwis on the side and some roses in the background. I'm not being facetious. Like, like who are you following it, on Instagram? Is here? this the video you recorded today? I can't <laughs> wait for that This is today's one. video, yeah. <laughs> but honestly, it gave people the opportunity to pay more attention to how well the photograph was done than actually what's in the glass, right? And it, and it, and it created a huge following. Now, I'll be the first to say, Hazy IPA is not my favorite style of beer. Mm -hmm. At the same time, when done very well, it can be super enjoyable. Um, my gripe with it is that if you present somebody an IPA today that isn't hazy, um, you know, people don't believe it's an India pale ale. <laughs> or God forbid it's a little right? bit like, like, oh no. It's <laughs> kind of crazy, yeah. you know? And uh, and so that that's where I kind of get a little bit miffed about it but uh there's there's lots of if it's got tons of hops in it you can throw ipa at it and that's probably accurate but you've got white ipa black ipa brown ipa west coast east coast north coast south coast like it it almost should just there should be beer and then there should be ipa should be a separate drink almost you know? <laughs> an entirely different beverage category at the lcbo now yeah. Yes. <laughs> so i mean you talk about like i I think you're obviously a very serious like serious beer person <laughs> but like i i would think that the styles you make and the styles you excel at making would be very approachable to almost anyone like i i don't know anyone who wouldn't crush a, a vim and vigor for example so like what is the what is the differentiator for your brewery like what makes you different i guess the ottawa's got a lot of beer now who's coming to your spot as opposed to i don't know i don't even know geographically if you're close to like beyond the pale for example like we're you... about two two and a half blocks away okay there you go <laughs> yeah. so so literally are, why, the close, why would they the close guys not i'm i'm sure you're friendly with them but like why would they choose you over them for example what is the thing that makes you unique um, well, I mean, when it comes to uh, different Ottawa breweries, the, the funny thing is, is I keep saying like, 
since COVID, we're all very much more competitive than we ever have been. Mm -hmm. um, I think the marketplace is shrinking a little bit, and you know, so you can shit on Beyond the Pale if you want to. I'm just saying. If oh, no, they're, I'm they're, just they're, kidding. I'm just they're kidding. really good buddies of mine. Yeah, yeah. Like we, we, yeah, we hang out. That's cool. <laughs> um, but our businesses are very different businesses, right? Um, and I think all the Ottawa breweries, like we have different businesses, we have different clientele. Um, you know, the the first time I ever got interviewed about what makes us different, I think I'd been open for like a week and I had no idea. So I was like, well, I don't have a beard. Um, I think that beyond that, it's like, you know, when I started brewing beers at Tooth and Nail, I started brewing from the standpoint of like, well, what's the point in in trying to brew something super complex when I don't really know my brewing system? So I'm going to start with a pale ale. And I knew I always wanted to brew a Pilsner and I came from King Brewery background where we did nothing but lagers and I wanted to make my own version of what we were brewing back then and, you know, a stout and an IPA. And I just kind of wanted to do some of these classic styles so I could figure out the brewing system and figure out the balance of recipes. And through that, we started to get a lot of feedback that like, oh, wow, we, we really like the fact that you're doing some of these kind of stripped down styles you know if i approach a recipe i kind of look at it from the point of view i might start with five malts and see if i can get it down to two after a while maybe five hops get it down to two or three so i try and strip these things down so it can give it balance and drinkability and i think from day one the only thing i cared about was balance drinkability good body good carbonation just putting into the glass a cohesive product that kind of hit all the right buttons and so i looked at each brand from that point of view and when i was doing that it was during this whole you know everyone's taking pictures of pineapples and and all these things and it, it actually without trying it made us different from what everybody else was doing and i just continued to do that stuff because i enjoyed the beers that we were making and you know kind of have, have followed that path so after about six months or a year, we were being, oh, that, that's the brewery that brews beer to style, which really kind of got my goat because I was like, because like we've got, you know, a beer like Discretion, it's a three and a half percent table beer with nine different dried fruits and berries and four different flowers. And it was, it was dreamed up through sitting at a table, trying all these different things out of a pitcher of water and making teas and like it had nothing to do with anything having to do with style. Right. And we produced a number of beers like that over the years, but I don't know, people are allowed to think of us whatever they want. And uh, I just want to make beers that are, are highly, highly drinkable and have a great degree of balance. It's really kind of all I care about. I think that's how I would describe your brewery. So you're doing it. <laughs> oh, good. Thanks. Uh, so we haven't like to, we haven't really talked about your path. To, you worked at Beer Bistro, you worked at King. Yeah. Where else have you been? So uh, I worked at Bose for the. So I guess you know I worked at Beer Bistro. Um, what led me there was a whole series of different life bad decisions, and I ended up there. And um, <laughs> We, I was serving tables there and, and kind of coming to the conclusion that I, I would really enjoy making beer for a living. Hmm. And through the connections I had at Beer Bistro, I was able to secure a couple of um, 
uh, like stages or, or um, you know, what, what would you call it? Apprenticeships at different breweries. So I ended up uh, talking to John Keeling from Fuller's one night at Beer Bistro. I said, can I come work at your brewery for a week? Uh, Adam Avery, I met at the Montreal Beer Festival and I got to go to his brewery for a week. Um, Brian Morin, who ran Beer Bistro at the time, was at Cantillon, said, I got this kid who wants to learn to make beer. Would you take him for a week? So I brewed at all those, I didn't brew, I, I, I shadowed at all those different breweries and came away from that going, this is absolutely what I want to do for a living. So I applied to brewing school and got in at the American Brewers Guild in Vermont. And part of that program was choosing a brewery you wanted to work at for a couple of months. So I chose the Lost Abbey in San Diego and was accepted into that program and went and worked in San Diego for a couple of years or a couple of months. Sorry, I would have <laughs> liked a couple of years <laughs> and then uh, came back and, you know, it was like time to find a job. So I got some part time work working at Duggan's Brew Pub on Victoria Street. You worked at Duggan's on Victoria? I had no idea. I kind of worked there, I think. Um, <laughs> that was a good experience. And then I uh, got offered a job at King. And King had just been purchased by beer barons who were bringing in Weinstephan from Germany. And um, my now wife, Dana, was working or, or buying Weinstephan for Beer Bistro and hooked me up with this interview. And I got the job up there. I worked there for two and a half years and decided I wanted to open Tooth and Nail. So I quit that job, went and worked at Bar Volo for the summer as a bartender while we had our first born, our daughter and uh, made the decision to move to Ottawa to open Tooth and & Nail. And during the year that we were uh, trying to get together, Steve Boshane offered me a job under a handshake deal that I'd be there for a year and build my brewery. So that's my entire brewing class. You got a lot, you got a lot, you got a lot of everything. I mean. Yeah. Well, that was the goal. I wanted I wanted to dip my toes in a lot of things before deciding. It's pretty good. That's a pretty good education in beer. It was pretty awesome. Yeah. Fuck yeah, beer bistro. You got bows in there. I mean, working for Duggan, that's a little that would be crazy. <laughs> it's good. You get a little good. bit of everything. If you ask him, he's Mike Duggan's got a ton of knowledge to pass on. Well, the couple times I've talked to him, he's taken credit for half the beer on the LCBO shelves. So <laughs> he's an interesting guy for sure. He might be half right. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I didn't. I didn't realize you had such a storied background. Yeah, yeah. I worked towards it. I, I, I kind of just there's this moment where I was on a a patio in the summer with a friend of mine, and I was moaning about how I didn't know what to do with my life and. The famous line is he was like, well, you're really good at skiing. And you know a lot about beer. And he's like, well, the skiing thing didn't work out for you. So you might as well get into brewing. <laughs> and it was a light bulb. It was the light bulb moment. It was just like, absolutely. That's exactly what I'm like tailor made to do. So did you give up skiing? Said, no, I still ski a lot. <laughs> <laughs> just not competitively. So. Well, so we talked about the resurgence or the, you know, fastest growing segment is American craft lager. I think in Ontario, we've really seen a resurgence in European loggers. And I think sure. you're partly to blame slash credit for that. I feel like... Well, I'd like to take credit rather than blame. But... Yeah, yeah. No, no. It's a good thing. It's a great thing. But I, I think, I, think like, I, I have seen, like, I know you and BIM and, like, you hang out with Milos and Hancock's hanging around. 
you guys have done trips to you know Czech Republic and like it's trickled out like I, I, there's a I, I mean I don't know if it's directly related but like there's a there's a brewery in St. Clair West in Toronto that's that seems to be their vibe too but like I don't know that that would have happened if you guys that, um true history yeah 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 yeah, yeah. But like I, I haven't had their beer. I hear I hear their beers are awesome. Though. They're like, gonna be like, we never even heard of Tweety. We did it because we yeah. love it. But I feel like you and Bam. I feel like you guys have been just the passion. Like I can see it. Like I know you guys. I know some of you very well. I, I know the rest of you like on the internet. But like you're clearly super passionate about European style loggers and the you know the craftsmanship that goes into that. And I honestly think it's contagious. Like it, it's catching on in Ontario more than American style loggers. I think we're seeing European loggers. And I think, I think you're part of that. Good. I think you're probably seeing more Czech styles or I'm seeing more Czech styles. Like I, I, I think that bit might be a little more contagious than me, but. Um, well, yeah, you guys, no, are, like, I mean, you guys are all, you're all feeding off each other. I think it's like a, yeah, friendship. I mean, there's a degree of that, sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, like uh, if I had to speak about him personally, he's, you know, we've become very close friends, but he, uh, his, his, honestly, I can't even exaggerate, his passion keeps me on my toes. Um, you know, I think there's a lot to credit there for sure. Um, yeah, I'm just happy to see more of that happening you know, and we've done a couple of festivals this summer. We've, uh, I've managed to get a few more beers in my hands from other breweries in the last year or so. Beer starts showing up at our doorstep all of a sudden when, you know, people can travel and, and see each other and do all that. And I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty encouraged by the quality of the lagers coming out. Nice. You I know, mean, I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I think there's some other styles to be explored within that realm um, that that could, you know, kind of have their heyday. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, it seems weird to have someone say you're credited with it, but um, that's or blame. I, I'm just, or blame. I just or blame. Yeah. I don't think it's yeah. a bad oh, you know, blames are wrong. Blames are wrong. Sounds better all of a sudden. <laughs> can I can I um, request a new video from you? Sure. Uh, oh yeah. I'd like to learn more about the differences between Czech, uh, American, um, German, German, Mexican loggers. Like Chinese. A, well, the Chinese lager, I experienced a lot of that when I lived in China, and uh, it's it would be closest to that macro American <laughs> brew of anything else that I. You don't want to go there again. <laughs> Yeah, I'll see what I can put together about that for sure. I thought you were going to do the main ingredients. I was waiting for the water one, but maybe that's too boring. <laughs> that's a tough one to catch people. <laughs> yeah. I will say that we're lucky in Ottawa with the water that we have. I can use city tap water, and uh, it works out pretty well for Vim and Vim, So, okay. Well, we're gonna we're gonna throw to. I don't know if you ever listened to this show. We're gonna throw to Pell's corner where I let Chris do whatever he wants for a minute. But before we do, I have two related questions. I want to know, I'm not going to say what's next in the industry because who the fuck knows, but I want to know what's next for you. Yeah. And also, I know that uh, Vim and Vigor is rolling out to LCBOs, but yeah. you're huge on fresh, you're huge on local. Yeah. Am I going to see Vim and Vigor in my LCBO and how are you going to make sure it's fresh? So those are my two related questions. What's next and how am I getting fresh Vim and Vigor to London, Ontario? 
What what order do you want those answers? <laughs> I don't know. You go ahead. <laughs> What's next? Okay, so um, two things that are being released. So tomorrow, I believe, uh, we're releasing our collaboration with Barbolo. It's oh, called nice. Gusto. It's called Gusto Bira di Giardino. So it's like a beer garden beer. It's uh, an Italian inspired beer, which is like, we actually use the lager yeast fermented at ale temperatures. And it's highly hopped with continental hops. And it came out very herbaceous, um, very like, I don't know, I continue to say it reminds me of like, when the Italian craft brew revolution happened and all these Italian beers were so like, unique and and under themselves but inspired by belgium and inspired by all these things it's kind of like that but it's 4.4 percent alcohol it's very drinkable and has a firm bitterness on it uh so that's exciting because where are we going to get that uh i think milos just bought some actually okay Mm. perfect i think sorry if you didn't milos Um, uh my cousin's husband's gonna buy some soon in a week when he comes this way so he can deliver it to me also Perfect. Yeah, it'll be at all the Volos. <laughs> okay. Um, but that one's really, that one's actually, I don't do a lot of collaborations. And that one's pretty meaningful because of my history with the Morana family. Um, so that's pretty cool. Uh, we've got a beer coming out in July called Breeze Hill Rosé, which we did one time before. And it's actually us trying to make a rosé champagne out of beer. So we use the Brute IPA technology but it's not an IPA. So we dried the beer out. It's highly carbonated and it's aged on strawberries, raspberries, and hibiscus to give it that rosé flavor. So those are just beer things. Where's that I need to know where to get these things. You're lifting lifting an important thing. Where do we get it? uh, Well, I mean, you're in London. So hopefully Milos again. I don't know. (laughs) know, We'll see. Ottawa's got got some great drinks. Yeah. Um, as far as tooth and nail goes, yeah, we entered the L. So it's part of where we're going is probably part of the same conversation. We entered the LCBO. Um, for us right now, we're sticking to Ottawa only. We're just trying to figure out how to grow the brewery in a responsible way so that we're not just like saying yes to everybody and like, you know, making the quality of the beer decline in a rapid fashion. Um, so right now it's in Ottawa LCBOs and we're just just getting out there. It's like, you know, we don't have a large staff. We're trying to figure out how to make this all work. And distribution is a bitch these days. So we're, mm-hmm. we, you know, we will slowly try and figure that out. I hope to get it to London at some point um, and hope to. So right now, the way that we're designing it is we're canning just a little bit of them and bigger almost every week, maybe every 10 days. And um, kegging the rest, and the kegs are going to licensees, and and the canning is just for our store in LCBO. So, LCB we canned Vim and Vigor this morning, and there were two LCBOs that got cans of that today. So, really trying to keep an eye on that, um, and make sure that we just grow at a pace that makes sense for us. Um, the pub isn't as busy as it once was. We don't have people going to their uh, government jobs as much as they used to so our happy hours a little bit lower just overall volumes a little bit lower so that's why we entertain doing the lcbo um, and expanding our licensee program so there's that um, yeah i don't know we got a really exciting project happening in the fall uh i can't tell you every detail about it but it involves a lot of barley wine 
Um, so we're making the beer that nobody wants once again. Let's see if we can sell it. Um, Maybe it'll come back. Yeah, yeah, we'll see what happens. But there's a project there that's in the works that's that's kind of exciting. Um, and yeah, really just trying to get back on our feet and grow in a responsible way and try and look at this business from a different angle than we have in the past. And yeah. Crush Instagram. Just crush, get those likes. We're going to crush social media. (laughs) If you listen to the show going forward, you'll hear me just completely steal stuff from you so I can sound intelligent as I lead up to a question. Please do. do. Yeah. Pass it on. (laughs) Speaking of you dominating the show, this is normally where we play our theme music, but I haven't uh, got it queued up. I'll, I'll edit it in here. We can pretend it's playing now. Now in Pell's corner. I hope it's Eye of the Tiger. No, it's Chris made his own song. It's great. Oh. There's a new one coming, actually, but uh, yeah, he's, he's been working on version two for a few weeks now. Well, I don't know yeah. if you're a musician. I've been in the lab for months working on it. Uh, <laughs> it's only going to be nine seconds long, but it's got to be just right. Well, yeah, that's have to be right. I know I feel your pain as a brewer. As a brewer, I feel your pain. <laughs> um, so, Matt, a, a lot of the times it just Try to understand the guests and their personalities based on dumb questions that I will ask, uh, where you're given a choice between two stupid things, and then uh, Ben and I will talk about the guest after they leave. And I love that you're trying to pretend there's some thought that goes into this, and you just don't Google, would you rather? Well, there is some thought. <laughs> I might go close my daughter's bedroom door here. Just <laughs> so I want to understand what you value about your body. What? Uh, <laughs> is this a real question? Yeah. Okay. Well, there's just a couple questions. Uh, uh, would you rather's? Okay. I've got really great hands. Okay. Whoa, really? Those are Costanza hands, right there. Those are nice, actually. Like model quality, or they're dexterous? I don't, I don't, I don't actually grow cuticles. Wow. So for all of the <laughs> uh, people in the audio audience, medium, but I, I have yeah. <laughs> right, right. You can't see this, but they're beautiful. We're they're gorgeous. A close up of your nails. I've confirmed that they're gorgeous. And I'm guessing those there are great nails based on your If I cut them before the podcast, <laughs> you might think so. This is just an audio only media, but I should say that to our listeners that this is the most clean shaven podcast recording and most brightly lit i think of the entire it's aggressive the entire series i haven't have been beardless in two years and we're in a room with full blasting light it's, i hate well i've got some kind of red light coming down on me so you know <laughs> it's a good thing no one can see this all right first question for you modification on would you rather be blind or deaf this is would you rather be colorblind or have tinnitus light ringing in your ear at all times colorblind for sure yeah, agreed. That would be so irritating to have tinnitus. Yeah. It's a never see I, I get irritated very easily. So the whole, mm, it's not going to yeah. work out for me. You'd but, never be able to see the color of beer. You'd only be able to tell if it was hazy or not. That's all right. I can, well, no, there's different shades of gray, right? <laughs> okay. 50 shades of gray. That's your next that's beer. It. That's it. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Important to know were we born this way or does it start tomorrow? Because uh, if you're born colorblind, you never know the difference. Who gives a shit? What about if you're born with tinnitus and you just you'd probably kill yourself by age 12? <laughs> I was gonna say that sounds like a wild tinnitus. <laughs> that was you pretty, just... I got pretty dark there. <laughs> you spend the first 30 years of your life. Do you guys hear that? Yeah, you guys hear that? That'd be awful. Um, would you rather have constantly dry eyes or a constantly runny nose? 
This is a shout out to my daughter and myself today on our field trip where I rubbed my eyes all day and she had a runny nose all day. I think I'd have to go with the runny nose. That's the air quality. That's I I think we're going to have to go with the runny nose. I don't know. Dry eyes. Like, I don't know if I could do it. Runny nose is pretty irritating. What about if you're always a solution though? I have dry eyes and then I rub them until my runny nose. Would you rather have to? I think the question is: Would you rather wipe it all the time? Dry eyes—they're just going to get worse. I guess. I'm one is a Visine and one is Kleenex. Oh well, now that Visine's in the mix, (laughs) (laughs) you're really bringing the questions tonight. I'd say it's definitely the runny nose. As somebody that gets dry eyes fairly regularly, it's brutal. Yeah, I can't handle it very well. I hate having a runny nose. I'll take dry eyes. That's wild. That's wild. That is absolutely wild. I just learned something about Ben here. (laughs) But we saved this hot, hot segment for the end. I can't wait for the next. (laughs) (laughs) All right, just we're moving away from that here. Um, Would you rather have all electrical devices mysteriously stop working, possibly forever? On on Earth or all of them? On Earth. Okay. Or all the governments of all the nations in the world being run only by people that are midway through puberty. <laughs> I mean, the first one would be instant chaos. All machinery shuts down. Yeah, but I mean, the 13-year-olds that are just figuring how out old, their bodies. Well, you know. Like, not yet 20, right? Like, there's hope for them. You're probably, let's <laughs> say, 11 to 14 for the girls and... 13 to 15 for the boys. So right in that sweet spot of being smart and definitely emotionally balanced. Well, important follow-up. Are they chosen at random or democratically elected? Because I think the ones that Mm. you would choose, that would choose to run and then got elected, I'd be okay with that. I would actually think they'd probably be better than the 80-year-olds that run most countries now. That's a fair like point. Joe Biden, I'll take a 13-year-old over Joe Biden. Probably. I'm with Ben on this one. If they were democratically elected, that would be my vote for sure. Yeah. Yeah. A 13-year-old dictator because of like his dad was the dictator before him. Not so much. Well, we have that. <laughs> we have that in some nations. Hmm. Yeah, that's fair, I guess. I was gonna say, what's the give back on the electronic devices? That would be a huge, that would be a huge. Well, I mean, it just depends, right? Like electronic devices is a, it's a broad category. Like every one of the pacemaker dead instantly. <laughs> like <laughs> we still have radios and toasters, nothing else. Nothing else. I'd probably, I'd probably go with that one actually. <laughs> radios. I think, and I, think we, I think we could all do without the bullshit that we currently have. What about your new Instagram thing, yeah. man? I don't know, maybe if you throw the toaster into the bathtub, we all know what the outcome is. <laughs> Worst so case scenario, you can throw the toaster in the bathtub. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. I mean, I don't want to say that the video piece of your videos is 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 not the educational part there, but if you were doing that in a strictly audio form, I would It's not a comfortable thing. thing for me to do. <laughs> I'm becoming more comfortable with it, but I, I you know, like if that didn't exist, I would be okay. I think you're right. Okay, let's do one more and wrap this thing up. All right, here we go. Make it a big one. Make it a good one. Would you rather wake up as a new random person every year and have full control of them for the whole year or once a week spend a day inside a stranger without having any control of them? Whoa. 
gotta be the new person every week no no you're every oh, year just, just randomly just experience oh. a person's day and just being you're just like a spectator a spectator for a day once a week with somebody new or you get to live that person's life for a year no no the the new person yeah it's less of a commitment the first one (laughs) it's way less of a commitment but i'd like to experience different people and the way they see the world yeah that would be better my first instinct was to go with be a different person but like you'd spend a year developing relationships and then you'd be done forever that would be really (laughs) frustrating it's a it's a romantic comedy where the romance never gets uh Man, I only got two days left in the year. What are you talking about? We've been friends for years. Do you jump in? Yeah, do you jump into someone's life midlife? I think so. Picture like a a change up or quantum leap. One of those movies, Freaky Friday sort of thing. As an afterlife option, yeah, quantum that leap. Would, that would be great. As quantum a, leap was a way better. Uh, yeah, yeah. If that was like what happens to you when you die, that would be great. You spend a year being someone, and then you flip it, and you're like, oh shit. This guy's shagging a model, and that's that's your year. And then you're like, oh, this I think I'd be pretty good. But no, I, I, if I had to do it now, I would just choose the one day a week too. Yeah, that'd be interesting because you'd get to see that whole day. One day a week. One day a week, but you don't do. You just experience. You can't control it. You get to see people in their most basest instincts for that one day, though. That would be a little bit disturbing sometimes. Yeah, it seems but... like a nice guy. Closes the bathroom door. Oh Jesus. <laughs> What did I sign up for? Yeah. He's like, I took the day off work to just masturbate all day. You're like, fuck me, get me out of here. It was just supposed to be an yeah. illusion to stuff like that. Man. I got specific with it. I always do. But I you haven't like seen contemplate this very question for the next two days. I'll get back to you. Yeah. You or what if it's a guy with insanely dry eyes? You guys would be fucked. Well, I'd just rub them until my nose was running and then I'd be happy. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you for your time and uh, indulging yeah. us in some Pell's Corner. It's been lovely. Thanks for having me. We will look forward to the uh, breakdown of different loggers and the water, in-depth water Instagram reel. Yeah. <laughs> I'll make sure that one's like eight minutes long. <laughs> Just yeah. talk about calcium and water hardness for like <laughs> half an hour. So I'll water break, comes uh, from mountain. alkalinity for anybody who cares. You know? There you go. I'm into it. I got that one guy <laughs> hanging on for the eighth minute yeah. going, I think I caught this. And Jordan yeah. St. John will watch the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, man. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Good, Good chat with you. See you soon. Yeah. All right. Working. I like to play I with like fire. I like to play with fire too. Everyone likes to play Everyone with fire. Likes to touch the fire around my penis. Yes, I wish that. Yes, I want it. This. Uh.